Welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vicini. We're presented by CLNS Media. Today on the show, Dieter Kurtenbach is here. It's time for our yearly Bold Predictions podcast. It's the time where Dieter is in his element more than any other time of the year, I think. It's literally just us giving the craziest hot takes, not even crazy, but we're just giving hot takes on what we think is going to happen. The NBA season starts tonight. We're recording this Tuesday, 10 o'clock a.m. Pacific time. We're about, what, six hours from the start of the NBA season? So Six hours. I just want to get into this and get real crazy. I, I mean, like, I will also note for the listeners... We've got hopefully improved sound quality. I've got this like crazy diorama, as Dieter called it, contraption in terms of the microphone. So I I figured new season, new sound quality. Let's just roll with it. And still the same shitty takes. Still the bad takes. That's what's most important (laughs) here. Okay, what do you got? What's what's the craziest thing you got going on right now? Okay. So my first bold prediction for this 2019-20 NBA season. The 76ers win the Eastern Conference. Not very bold, right? No. They make the NBA Finals. And Joel Embiid wins Most Valuable Player and Defensive Player of the Year. So here is here is my case for this. Okay. So I think that if you believe the 76ers are a let's say 58 to 60 win team like I do. Okay. They're going to have to do it with defense, right? Like this is just for me by far the most talented defensive team in the NBA. Uh, I think a lot of it obviously defensively depends on scheme and structures. And we have to hope that Brett Brown and that staff has really devised a strong scheme and structure with all of the length and size and athleticism that they'll have on the floor. Obviously they're going to have Matisse Thibel coming off the bench, Zaire Smith coming off the bench. It's not even just the starters, all of whom are ridiculous defenders. It is the guys that come off the bench. The biggest catalyst of that though is going to be Joel Embiid. And if you have, the number one defense in the NBA, and you have a genuine, unquestionable top three defender, and he leads that team playing 70 games as a plus defender, I think that he is going to be the pick for Defensive Player of the Year. To make this offense work, I don't really see any other option beyond Joel Embiid averaging like 28 points a night. Like, he averaged 27 and a half last year, and they're going to be even more reliant, I think, on his ability to create offense, just because this year they don't have the ability to run J.J. Redick off of a bunch of screens. They don't have Jimmy Butler able to initiate at the top of the key and create a shot whenever he wants to. So I think they're going to be even more reliant on Embiid offensively as well. I think he plays 70 games which might be where this falls apart because I think they might need him to play a lot of games just because while they do have Al Horford now and they do have the ability to rest him, I kind of wonder if this whole ecosystem offensively falls apart without Embiid and they're going to need him to play as much as they can. Mm 
And at the end of the day, with this talent centered around Embiid, I think that this team should win 58 to 60 games, even with the fit concerns. I love all of the guys on this team. I love Josh Richardson. I love Al Horford. Uh, Obviously, I'm a huge Ben Simmons fan. Tobias Harris is one of the best low usage offensive players who can still get a lot of buckets despite not handling the ball a ton. It's a perfect confluence, I think, of players that really uh, encapsulate where the NBA is going. It's an interesting thought. It's hard to disagree. I don't feel it's all that crazy, though Vegas would tell you that it is. If you were to put $100 down on that double dip with current odds, uh, you could get $12,250 at the end of the year. So I feel like you should put your money where your mouth is. Well, the problem is it's hard to find a book that will take parlays on player props. Yeah. Um, so if I can find one in the next six hours, I will. Just get, just get over get over to Vegas, baby. Some of you, somebody will make you a book. Yeah. I'm not making it for you because I think it's actually not that crazy of a concept. Uh, absolutely, the, the Sixers are going to need Embiid to be the number one dude on offense. Uh, There's no way it's only 26 to 1. It has to be more than that because... What's Embiid like two to one to win Defensive Player of the Year? Maybe four to one? Oh something no no in that no! Range? I'm I'm looking at plus eight fifty on Odd Shark, which I don't know where they're getting their numbers from, but it was so the first thing that came. He's plus eight fifty to win Defensive, defensive player, player of the, of the year. year, and he is plus twelve hundred to win MVP. Right. So what is twenty four times eight? That's what that double up is. I don't know, man. I just put it in this Vegas Insider parlay calculator. Let me have it. <laughs> it seems like a lot of money. All I There's know no book that would take out. the... Of course not, because it's a ridiculous concept. That, that, well, they're uh, intertwined uh, as well. There's just, there's correct. too much, you know, there's too much, you know, between the two factors that will, if one happens, the other will happen. So, yeah, that yeah. doesn't surprise me. I mean, if you wanted to really take it to another level, I got Ben Simmons at plus 6,000 to win MVP. And if the Sixers are going to figure it out on the offensive end, yes, Joel Embiid is probably the number one option there. But if Ben Simmons can make a significant leap, right? Uh, And that doesn't necessarily even mean that he starts making jump shots or even taking them, but uh, just, just is able to take his game to another hyper elite level which we all know he has the ability to do uh that that could that could be a scenario where uh where he is the the leader of the pack so maybe maybe it's a little wild to double down just given these odds but um yeah i want to talk about the sixers a little bit later they they are part of my hottest take and uh, i I don't want to get that out of the way immediately i think that would be a disservice to uh to the fuego nature of it all yeah we, we talked about yours ahead of time yours really crescendo you know, it builds, it builds, it builds, and then it just, like, goes hard at the end. Yeah. So like a beautiful piece of music, Sam. So <laughs> these, give, give these, me... Uh, these takes are truly the art of our time. Um, okay. Give me your my, first one. My number one, and this is my, my tamest take, is that the Los Angeles Lakers are the number one seed in the Western Conference. And uh, we can look at the Lakers and say, wow, I'm not really quite sure about... Uh, everybody else on this team other than uh, maybe Danny Green and then obviously LeBron James and and Anthony Davis. But uh, what I was able to see out of them in the preseason, uh, 
incessantly in the preseason because the Warriors and the Lakers decided that they were only going to play each other, it seemed. Uh, they played three times in one week. Uh, LeBron is going to be running almost exclusively point. And that reminds me so much of when he was in Miami uh, because of Kyrie Irving. And, and, and they would stagger at times. But, but LeBron was, I would say, probably most of the time off ball in Cleveland. And uh, last year, which we've immediately forgotten, but uh, it didn't seem like he was on the ball all that much. And maybe I'm wrong about this, but the sense that I got talking to people, the sense that I got watching the Lakers play was that LeBron is going to go back to that Miami style of basketball where he's the point guard. Anthony Davis is going to come up and set a pick for him on damn near every single play. And while Davis might be playing the four with um, JaVale McGee at the five, Davis's ability to you know, pass the ball and put the ball on the floor for a big man is is just incredible. That pick and roll is just going to be downright unstoppable. And I look at the Western Conference, and I think the difference between the one seed and the eight seed might be less than four games. Uh, It's going to be tight. And that might even be the one to the 10 seed, less than four games. I think everyone's going to be tight there. And uh, I just feel like the Lakers are going to be the best regular season team. Uh, You have Paul George already out for 10 days, you know, 10 games to start the season probably uh that could be a little bit longer Kawhi is going to load manage the Clippers are in a position to where they are a better team in my opinion so they can get Kawhi more nights off as the regular season commences because they know they'll really want him for the playoffs as any good team would uh and then a lot of teams that are are, frankly I, I don't know if their duo can necessarily match up to what the Lakers are going to be able to put out on the floor. So I, I think that the Lakers with you know, 56, 57 wins uh, come out as the number one seed in the Western Conference. And LeBron, uh, I don't think he wins MVP just because I'm not sure if he'll be on the court enough. But the guys had over 200 days off in between his last game of last season and the uh, start of this season. And he looks fresh. And I think that uh, knowing that he only has so many more cycles around the sun here uh and that his lakers tenure got off to a very inauspicious start uh he's going to try to prove something a little bit this year uh i think he's back in the mvp conversation i think he comes close to averaging a triple double i think that he's back in the role that he's played his best basketball in which is point guard and i think that the lakers are the number one seed in the west yeah i think that if the lakers are the number one seed in the west there's a very good chance that lebron wins mvp yes i i I just I, 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 did, I wanted to say it. I really did. But ultimately, I think he's going to be so deferential to Davis that they're going to almost split votes. Right. Like Possible, Davis yeah. is going to have such great numbers and he's such a great defensive player that he's going to split votes. There's also going to be, I think, just the narrative of LeBron it is such to where you look around the league. I think Harden might average 40 points a game this season. I think that Steph is going to have to do just absolutely batshit insane things for the Warriors to be relevant this season. I, I agree that Joel is going to have to be the dude uh, on offense this year and, and is probably going to have to play more basketball, and he's done a lot to uh, to do it. Uh, there's a team that you're going to mention later that you know I think they're a one-star team, and if that comes to pass, um, they're, you know, that person's going to get serious MVP consideration. There's just a lot of really good MVP candidates this year. So I wasn't, I, I just, I didn't feel it in the gut to say that LeBron is going to win it though. I, I if you really put a few beers in me, I might go ahead and just argue that cause, but I, I think that he'll be in the top three, which I think is saying something these days. 
So here is so your case for that is that the Lakers honestly probably can't afford to load yeah. manage LeBron all that much. Not like, that I, much. I just don't really see how they can with that roster. Like it would essentially be like playing the Anthony Davis Pelicans, except maybe right. like a slightly worse roster, right? Like by, this... by the way, all of my takes before this were related to the Pelicans, and I'm just a very sad man right now because uh, the Zion Williamson injury just kind of fucked up all of my cool Pelicans takes and uh, really fucked up the beginning of the NBA season, in my opinion. So yeah, just wanted terrible. to get that in there. Yeah, I'm, I'm really bummed about Zion. Uh, I would like to hope that... Zion will come back. I have a rookie of the year related thing later, and yeah. I'll talk about Zion when we get there. But I think that the only thing that could really just demolish your Lakers thing is injuries, right? Like for sure. If one of Davis or LeBron go down, it's just absolutely. Yeah. Like and, and, and listen, and, and that's, um, that's going to be a big thing for every team. I, I think in the optimal world where no one gets injured, and only uh, managements are loaded. Uh, it's, yeah, it's. I, I think that LeBron has to play like seventy-five games, and I think that anytime he's going to yeah. be out there, he's going to be hyper efficient. Again, um, the the operative part of all of this is I think LeBron comes very close to averaging a triple double, and in fact, I would say that rebounds might be the most difficult thing for him to get because uh, he's. Let's push it a step further. He leads the league in assists this year. I'm here for that. I like that a lot. Let's do yeah. it. Um, okay, so my number two. Similar to something that Zach Lowe put in, I also wrote it at The Athletic. I'm so mad that Zach did this. Um, <laughs> he said that Marvin Bagley is going to lead the Kings in scoring. Yes. Mine was even a step further. I think that Bagley goes 20-10 and 10 this year as a second-year player. And I think that too often people didn't discuss him last year in the context of all of these great rookies that we had around the league. Right. He was ridiculous. He averaged like 15 and 7 last year. He's going to be their starting power forward. He's a really great partner in Dwayne Dedman who can handle some defensive responsibilities mm -hmm. uh, as well as stretch the floor for him when Bagley likes to crash toward the glass, either on the offensive glass or as a roll weapon. Bagley can also shoot a little bit himself. This is a guy that has always just been the elite of the elite in terms of athleticism, in terms of recruiting in terms of motor um i just think that you know, it might happen in a similar way to what we saw from john collins last year in atlanta um but i think that bagley's is probably a little bit more valuable in terms of wins and losses than collins is because i think he has a little bit more potential defensively just because he's like two or three inches taller uh, yeah. and even bouncier than john collins which says a lot obviously so i'm gonna say marvin bagley goes 20 and 10 picking up the scraps for the occasional missed buddy healed shot playing with De'Aaron fox and pick and roll uh in just generally dominating uh, matchups due to his freakish size and athleticism combination. Totally agree with you. Love Marvin, Marvin Bagley this year. I'm, I'm uh, wicked pissed that I wasn't able to get him in, in fantasy basketball because I think he, he is absolutely going to have a breakout year. Uh, I'm going to take your Kings lead and, and go a step further. Uh, I think we're all pretty much in agreement. Anyone who likes basketball is 
pretty much all in on the Kings, like to the point now where I want to zag when everyone else is zigging. But I, 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 well, can't, I, I like, think that I think we're all in on the Kings. Like we want the Kings to have success. 100%. Um, and they're super watchable. And so right. uh, if you're a basketball nerd like we are, uh, you're in on the Kings. Everyone's kind of picked them up as their second team. And, and there's nothing wrong with that except for the fact that, you know, when everyone's on one side, you should be looking at the other side and thinking what's so bad about over there. Uh, that said, I can't I can't fight these feelings I have for, for De'Aaron Fox and, and just how fun they're going to fucking be. They're just, they're, they're, they're next level. And I don't know if they're truly going to be competing for anything all that serious, but I think they make the playoffs this year. And my take is that, that I think that they finish with a better regular season record than their Northern California rivals, the Golden State Warriors. So here is my counter to that, which I think is a very not impossible prediction. Yes. Is there a chance that Draymond Green physically and mentally allows that to happen. Um, Draymond Green is already in a state of deep frustration because he is physically unable to get this Golden State Warriors team to be decent on defense. Uh, I, I, it, it was really I, funny watching like a lot of the Marquise Chris highlights on defense. Yeah. He likes Marquise Chris, too. That's like his favorite guy on the team. And you saw I what know. he was doing. And you watch how frustrated he gets when Mark Marquise doesn't pick up what's happening on the backside while Dre yeah. is like out there blitzing and out there covering on ball. And like, he'll try and uh, dig for a steal. And like Marquise is just like not there and help uh, yeah. a lot of the new guys. Like, I don't mean to pick on Marquise necessarily because he just got there for training camp. A lot <laughs> exactly. of the newer guys are like this, like Jordan pool is like this in every regard. Uh, I have real concerns yeah. about Jordan Poole, as I have mentioned many times. Uh, Let me put it to you this way. Who do you not have concerns about on this Warriors team? I mean, I don't yeah, want to I get agree. too deep into the Warriors' weeds, like, but like, they have no good defensive wings. They have marginal shooting uh, outside of Steph because D'Lo is going to be a three-point variance guy. And then like Jordan Poole and Alec Burks are their best shooters after that. The, only, the two most important things in the modern NBA – are perimeter defense and three-point shooting. And the Warriors are, like, really questionable at both of them. They're super questionable on shooting. I think they're downright bad on defense. And I don't care how good Draymond Green is. I, he's the Greek god of defense. I, I think that he's the Steph Curry of defense. My, I, I have no more superlatives for what I think Draymond Green can do on defense. But he's a team defender. He's a guy who can be two steps ahead of things because he understands that this guy might be able to hold them off. When you have Clay Thompson and Andre Iguodala on the court, you can do things like that. He has to be in five places at one time. The next best defender on this Golden State Warriors team legitimately might be Stephen Curry. Uh, it's probably Looney, I would it's, say. It's probably Looney, but Looney and Draymond do not have a great one-two. Honestly, it's, it's, a, it's a weird scenario to where their skill sets don't necessarily play off each other all that well, and they didn't get a preseason to kind of figure that out, which right. means that they're going to have to figure it out in the regular season. They're going to be giving up 125 points per game, if not more, to start the year, and I think that they get off to a really slow start. Uh, I do think that they make the playoffs, but uh, which is why I didn't say that would have been the hot take had they not made the playoffs, but I think defensively they're going to be a bottom half of the NBA team on defense, maybe jumping up a little bit if Clay comes back, which Clay's not going to come back 100% on defense after the ACL injury, even though he's the Wolverine. So you're going to have a team that has really prided itself on being able to knock down the three or at least being hyper-efficient in shooting. They've led the NBA in effective field goal percentage the last five years. 
you have that team, that's going to fall off. And now the other thing that they hang their hat on, which is defense, in particular turning defense into offense by playing chaotic, getting in the lanes defense, that's not going to be there either. They're going to they're going to have a fundamental identity crisis this year that Steve Kerr and Steph Curry and Draymond are going to have to work through. And I, I just don't think that that results in anything close to what we've seen. I don't think they I don't even think they sniff home court advantage in the first round. And, and frankly, I think they come in as the eighth seed in the Western Conference and they got to fight for it in the final week. I am super pumped to bet on overs the first like week and a half with the Warriors, maybe even oh, longer than that. Oh, like, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Yeah, I am with you, Sam, 100%. You, you should bet on uh, visit your opposing team overs only, though, because they might actually have a little bit of problem scoring if Steph doesn't yeah Steph is going to get double and triple teamed incessantly this year and D'Lo will bring off a little bit of that but uh, I don't know there's going to be an issue of like okay Steph has been double teamed very easy pass to a wide open Glenn Robinson the third above the break is that good offense I mean (laughs) is he going to make 37 percent of those three-point shots in order to sort of make it worth everyone's while I, I I can't say that he will yeah, I'm not sure he does either. Draymond's uh, going to have to shoot like three, four threes a game. Like, that is not an acceptable offense. The the good thing about Dre, though, and having Dre and running just incessant yeah. Steph, Dre, pick and rolls, is that yeah. nobody is better at taking advantage of those four-on-three scenarios than Dre. You're right no that question. it does rely Maybe on... Maybe Anthony like, Davis. Maybe Anthony Davis. I think it's Dre because Dre is so good at... The kickout pass. Now, maybe Mm -hmm. because he's kicking out to Glenn Robinson and Alec Burks and these guys, he won't be as effective. Like he's game is predicated kicking out to Clay fucking Thompson. Right. So, I think it's going to be harder for teams to just like blitz Stephen Curry incessantly because if you blitz Steph, you're essentially saying Draymond beat us in a four on three, and that's not a situation you want to be in be in defensively especially when he still does have like d'angelo russell uh who is a smart good uh good all-star pass. level offensive player on the perimeter yeah. so but he's a, uh, but he's a dribbler i, I don't know he how to put this to you. he's a dribbler and no they haven't really dealt with guys like that in the warriors offense before like that's, that, that's just kicking it out to a dribbler is not something that is that has come to pass and i think d'lo is a really smart guy and that he's going to be fully capable of you know, being a spot up shooter if he needs to be, but man, it's hard. It's hard to teach new tricks to uh, to you know a show pony, and and he's been a really good one up until this point. All right, number three for me, the Miami Heat win forty eight games. Okay, they get a top sure. four seed. <laughs> okay, in the Eastern Conference, and Tyler Hero wins Rookie of the Year. I love the Hero Rookie of the Year one. I love it. Uh, we both Hero, had it on our list. But so for, the, for reference, Hero right now. Give me a fucking break. I'm telling you, this team is a lot more talented Who's, than what I think they get credit for. I Listen, man, I, I, I'm, I cover the Heat. I know. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Heat lover. Like, I, I am not anti-Heat. But 48 and home court advantage, I get it. I understand where you're coming from. I see the landscape as it lays out. But, like... Who's their second best player? Uh, probably Goran Dragic, I would say still. Um, okay, is Goran Dragic going to be the point guard of this team when they go I, into the playoffs? Probably not, to be honest. I think he probably gets dealt. Mm, I don't know if it's going to be Chris Paul, but here's the other thing. Let me let me just kind of delve into this. Yeah, thing, why, don't, right? why don't you actually explain so, it before I start antagonizing you? So, A, 
they do get Dragic back. And I think that is a, there are very few guards in the NBA that I think mm-hmm. are better uh, as lead guards playing yes. into a secondary role offensively next to a playmaking wing like a Jimmy Butler. Yes, that is a very that is a very small subset. It's like him and Ricky Rubio. I don't even think Ricky Rubio is that good at it because Ricky can't shoot. Like if you play Ricky off the ball, he is just kind of useless. Like teams won't guard him and they'll just collapse in on uh, the That's playmaking fair. wing when he's driving the ball. With Goron, you can't really do that. So fair, 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 fair. You have a ridiculous secondary playmaker as a lead guard. Uh, you have Tyler Hero, who and. I'm just going to throw this name out at you. Like, I think Duncan Robinson and Kendrick Nunn both are just ridiculous shooters. Those three players, Hero, Nunn, and Robinson, Mm -hmm. serve to really shore up what I think was one of the biggest weaknesses of that team last year, which was perimeter shooting. They really needed guys that could step up beyond the arc and be threats and space the floor. So now you have all of those guys. You have those four guys, Dragic, Hero, Duncan Robinson for 15 minutes a night, probably. And Kendrick Nunn with whatever becomes of Kendrick Nunn, even though, look, we shouldn't root for Kendrick Nunn. Um, Yes. That's a very fair statement. Jesus Christ. All of those guys are now going to be spacing the floor for Jimmy Butler. Yep. And Bam out of bio pick and rolls. And Bam now has an ability to really play make with the ball in hand. He is a really, really good passer. I think that Bam goes for something like maybe 14, 10 and three this year. Like maybe maybe mm, fifteen, I, ten, I and even, three and a half. Yeah, 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 yeah. Three, three sounds about right. But he, he'll have some games where he goes for a triple double. I wouldn't surprise me. And then against bad defenses that can't adjust, and he'll have plenty of those in his division. Oh yeah. We haven't even gotten to the presence of Justice Winslow, who is just a I really, really strong playmaker uh, on the wing. I trust Justice Winslow to make the right decision with ball in hand as uh, an initiator. He needs to shoot it, I think, to reach his apex, but we'll see if that happens. Um, I just kind of think that this team, plus they have Kelly Olenek, who, again, unbelievable floor spacer, good playmaker, really underrated offensive player, I think. Myers Leonard is another guy that's been playing a lot for them in the preseason who will help them space the floor. I don't really trust Myers Leonard, but, like, look, no, it's but a it's thing a worth saying. Guy, not terrible. Right. This is a team that has all of the offensive weapons surrounding Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo that it needs. And Justice yeah. Winslow, because Winslow can't really shoot. It yeah. has Jimmy Man, Butler is... anchoring a defensive identity. Yes. Led by Eric Spolstra. I think they're going to be a top 10 defense just because I trust in Jimmy Butler. I trust in Eric Spolstra and I trust in Adebayo. Yeah. yeah. I think this is a this... really good team that runs away with the Southeastern Conference. Ooh, I like Orlando. Um, we're not going to get too deep into the Southeastern Conference, but I like Orlando. Uh, listen, but like man, the, I, so, it, like, there, there are what? There are 12 wins just hanging out there for the Heat. Let, let's say maybe 10 of 12 wins against mm-hmm. Atlanta, Charlotte, and Washington. Yeah, but, like, Washington is going to have – I like Thomas Bryan a lot. I think that they have Beal. They're going to steal some games. I think that they're going to be – everyone's just written them off like they're, you know, super no, shitty. No, I'm, I'm writing them off. They're good. really bad. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I think that they're going to steal some games from people, but I think they win 20-something. Uh, Charlotte 
got is so long as Terry Rozier's there, they're, I think I think Charlotte's going to be scrappier than people are giving them credit for. Um, not that they're going to even come close to sniffing a playoff spot, but they might they might get like 30 wins. Like I, I, again, I, this isn't logical, but this is just kind of where my gut tells me things are, and then I'll watch them until a week and <laughs> realize I'm a complete fucking moron. Um, Atlanta is going to be able to put up buckets. They can't guard anybody, but they're going to be able to put up buckets. My concern with this Heat roster is that you're putting a lot on Hero, Nunn, and Robinson uh, on the offensive end, and they're not good defenders. But I, I only need those guys. I think Hero's like going to be a legit top three scorer for them. But like Nunn and Robinson, they only need to be, what, like sixth, seventh guys on offense on this team? Because Justice Winslow is going to handle the ball a ton. Uh, mm-hmm. Jimmy's obviously going to have the ball. Adebayo's going to have the ball because he likes to lead the break. Um, yeah. Obviously, Hero as well. Goron's still there. Like th- These are guys that are like second unit players that can play with the first unit guys in these staggered lineups. And I think actually make it to where the Heat have really competent lineups. I don't disagree. I think that they're going to be good and I think they're going to make the playoffs. I just don't. <sighs> I just don't know if you can put that much on the shoulders of a 19-year-old <laughs> to, to, to help a team, you know, become a, a force. And that's what you're asking that, you know, that's what you're asking Tyler Hero to do. You're asking I, him I am. to take the, the heat from a good team that's going to make the playoffs to a team that's going to have home court advantage in the first round. And I, I um, basically just want to watch every heat game because they're going to be fun. Tyler Hero is going to get it. someone is going to try and fight Tyler Hero this year, like legit. Yeah, what's try, his deal? Why is he is he just a little pissing? He's it's not that he's just like the most confident human being that you will find. Like this is the dude who like knocked down free throws last year. I forget who it was against and looked like right at the guy on the other team and just went, "I'm a bucket." And then went and calmly knocked down free throws to like ice the game again. Um, he got. Did you see the preseason game where like oh, yeah. him and yeah. Michael Carter Williams were like going at it? And uh, Michael Carter Williams he tries to flop. Hero tries to flop or whatever. And Carter Williams yeah. gets him for a layup. And then Tyler Hero just goes down and catches uh, the Hornets for a three. And then finds Michael Carter Williams again. He wasn't even guarding him, and just starts talking shit to him. It, it was amazing. Tyler Hero is just. The best person. I, I would not call him a pissant. I would call him confident and <laughs> extremely, extremely confident. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, again, just just forgive me for uh, the, the kid shoots. He's a shooter. I, I think I, I like him as a rookie of the year play now that Zion is out because I liked Zion as an MVP play before he went. He got injured. Um yeah, like Damn. Hero is like, at uh, he's 30 six, to five, one, 200 pounds. Right like they're, 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 at some point, someone's going to target that kid, and it's not going to go well for him. Yeah, I think Hero is like thirty to one right now to win Rookie of the Year. The other oh, one that money. so my bookie has Nikhil Alexander Walker at one fifty to one. Uh, yeah, <laughs> if you'll excuse me for a moment. Yeah, that like he just has a way better chance than zero point six seven percent to win rookie of the year. I don't I don't think he's gonna like win rookie of the year, but I think he's his odds really are good. probably more in the range of like he has like a two to three percent chance to win rookie of the year, and you're yeah. getting probably six x value on it. It's fun. It's fun. 
Uh, okay, let's stick with teams that are somewhat of the same class uh, as the Miami Heat, and, and that's the Dallas Mavericks. Now, uh, this is not the hot take. The hot take is coming. Uh, I don't think the Mavs make the playoffs. I think that they're in it. I think that it comes down to the last couple of days, if not the final day. But the Dallas Mavericks do not make the playoffs this year. But I do think that they'll have two all-stars. I think that Luka Doncic gets in. And I think that Kristaps Porzingis is going to be an absolute fucking dude this year for Dallas. And that uh, I, I think like the Warriors are going to have one. And Dallas is going to have two. And only one of those teams is going to make the playoffs. Uh, so what, looked, in the West, we're talking yeah, Stephen that, Curry one, Nikola Jokic two, Damian Lillard three, probably someone from the Jazz four. Let's say Kawhi Leonard five is a certainty. LeBron and Anthony Davis six seven. Um, let's say Harden eight. That's, Westbrook that's, is close. I would say Westbrook is probably a lock at nine. I mean, like there's a chance they, that they it just doesn't the work out too, and that's the thing, right? And like Paul George is probably pretty darn close to a lock, even with the injury. So. Right. Let's say there are eight to ten locks, depending on Westbrook and George in new homes and with injury. Um, yeah. That's before we account for Carl Towns. Mm-hmm. Um, or before we Devin account Booker. For Devin Booker, before we account for the second Utah Jazz player that probably will deserve it between Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. Um, right. Before we account for De'Aaron Fox. Before we mm-hmm. account for... Um, Marvin Bagley. <laughs> DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge. Uh, Marvin Bagley. Like... Yeah. Uh, this is the West is insane. Drew, Drew Holiday, Zion. Right. Like if Zion comes back in two months and is unbelievable. Yeah, it's just really Lonzo hard. Ball. Don't even oh. laugh at me. I think Lonzo Ball's gonna have a beast of a year. I think he's um, gonna have a really good year. I wouldn't go at rook or uh, all star, but I think he's gonna have a really good year. Yeah. Um it, it's just a it's a really deep Western conference and guys get hurt. Like the odds are that, you know, one or two of those guys will go down. And yeah, I mean, creator listen, roster Luke, spot. Luka didn't make it last year, and Luka was good. Like, it, it wasn't as right. if Luka you know, started slow or anything. He just didn't make it. Uh, neither did Gobert. Uh, so the notion of them getting two, I think, is is, is fairly caliente. I mean, and, and oh, listen, no, it's man, bold. It's, yeah, I like it. Porzingis just... My issue is, like, I, I, I love that duo. I, I think that that duo is as good as any in the Western Conference. As good, not not better than, you know, the two L.A. teams and, and maybe not whatever we got going on with the Warriors. We'll see what that duo becomes. But uh, and, and in Houston. But, man, like, the rest of that team is killing me. Like, and that's, and that's really the difference. I just can't, tr- I just can't trust a team that's starting Dwight Powell. <laughs> like, pretty, Dwight Powell, but like, like, come on. Like, two, you know, this is an NBA jam. They'd be like a first ballot NBA jam team. But, uh... Not how it goes. So two All-Stars, no NBA playoffs for the Dallas Mavericks, which uh, I'm sure they'll be sad about when it's all said and done. I wonder how many times that's happened. Yeah, I did not I did not have the gall to go look that up. Yeah. Um, be interesting. I think they have a chance to make the playoffs, but I would not oh, pick sure. them to make the playoffs, though, for sure. Um, all right, let's, uh, let's go with the Eastern Conference again. Okay. I think the Indiana Pacers missed the playoffs. And, like, I don't think this is a totally, like, wild take necessarily. But, like, I think that everyone has this right now. Mm-hmm. Um, like, everyone has them in the playoffs. They won, what, like, 48 last year, something along those lines. 
Um, like the Pacers are a really, really good team uh, that is well coached. I just really worry about all the new pieces coming together in a way that works this year and it works immediately. Um, right. And I worry about how long term the Victor Oladipo injury is because there is a real degree of uncertainty when you talk to people uh, around the league about it. And then additionally, uh, I just wrote a bunch of words about the Demonis Sabonis, Miles Turner fit uh, over at the mm-hmm. athletic. You should go read that. Um, but I have real concerns about how that works as well. Is TJ Warren going to have to be their best offensive player to start the year? I think he might have to be their most creative on ball offensive player because like Demonis Sabonis is probably one of the five to 10 best pick and roll bigs in the NBA. So okay. yeah. like theoretically, like Sabonis is probably their best player and you can initiate a lot of actions with Sabonis, but he's not Jokic either. And I think it's right. really hard for teams to initiate guy, uh, offense out on the perimeter with a guy who is a good passer as a big, not an elite passer as a big. I mean, you look at what they have to start the regular season. They're going to have Malcolm Brogdon at point guard. Um, say what you will. I mean, he's a good player. It'll be interesting to see well, the, now the that reason his role that you, increases. The reason you sign Brogdon is to play him with Victor with Oladipo. Yeah, exactly. He's yeah, the perfect the fit to play next to Oladipo. When you don't have Oladipo, you're probably overextending what Brogdon can do. And this comes from someone who has long been yeah. one of the biggest proponents of Malcolm Brogdon. And so now you're playing him with Jeremy Lamb or Edmund Sumner, um, which is not good. Uh, I would or I bet it's TJ Lamb. And, slide down. I, I would bet it's Lamb. And Jeremy Lamb's been one of the most underrated kind of creators in the league. The last yeah, couple of years, playing he's not in a bad player, but he's but, he's not even he's not even close. I mean, he's not even sniffing all NBA tenth team. But so. honestly, like Jeremy Lamb is probably it might not be Warren. Their best pick and roll creator probably is Jeremy Lamb. Actually, um, I'm just talking about who's going to put the ball in the goddamn basket. I think Warren's going to average like 23 this year because he's going to have to. I I don't think it'll be that much. I think he might average like 18. But he averaged 19 two years ago and 18 last year. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> and now he's on a, a theoretically more competent team. They'll be good on defense. Like, that's the thing with the Pacers. They're going to be a, a, a rock-solid defensive team. I think that's and that's probably something they, true. they hung their hat on last year, and particularly at the end of last year. Uh, but they the still de- don't know if Sabonis and Turner can play together. That, the defensive numbers... Lining up. Yeah, the yeah. defensive numbers with Turner and Sabonis were really good. They played, I think, like 400 minutes together last year, and it was yeah. like a 99 defensive rating. I don't – like, it, it's just worth noting that, though. I don't know that I would use that as yeah. indicative of Do their true defensive level. Yeah. Um, Especially when you don't have an offensive threat on the other end, and it'll be like, oh, shit, you know, just just try to outscore us. Like, we can we're, – we're not going to pay as much deference to this defense because we don't – Offense and defense have a, a, a lot more symbiosis than people give them credit for. It's not like football where they're entirely different games. Right, right. Um, yeah, it's. I just have worries about where this team gets its offense from in terms of efficiency. Uh, does, does this team space the floor well offensively? Because Turner and Sabonis do kind of like to operate in the same areas. Like Turner still isn't necessarily a guy that is always going to spot up beyond the three point arc. He does kind of like to 
be in mm-hmm. that you know 18 to 23 foot range that Sabonis really likes as well. Um, so how much overlap is there there? Um, and without the ridiculous like athletic on ball creation of Oladipo, I wonder if the offense just kind of falls apart a little bit. Yeah, I, I don't think it's that hot of a take. I, I have been legitimately stunned um, at how much optimism there is about the Pacers. I understand that they're not remotely close to a, a frequently talked about team, but like you're looking at it, and again, Brogdon is good. I think Aaron Holiday has a chance to be a nice player, but TJ Warren is as solid as he was uh, and kind of a, a fun you know sleeper pick for the basketball nerds out there with the Phoenix Suns, like he just can't be your dude. I just, I can't trust him to be a dude. Uh, Cause we saw what that, we saw what that looked like in Phoenix when he had to be the dude sometimes. And, and they suck. They're, they're objectively terrible. And they were when, when he was around. So like, I, I just don't know if the defense is good enough. It would have to be hyper elite in order for this offense to sort of be made up for. And I, I just don't, I just don't see that happening. So I'm, I'm with you. It's, it's uh it's two for the price of one in terms of hot takes here. All right, give me your uh, fourth one. You ready for this? Yep. Just get just hold hold your table here. Giannis is going to make one hundred three pointers this year. That's so many threes. That is so many it's, threes. It's double what he made last year. I think he had fifty two last year, and uh, yeah, fifty two made threes on two hundred and three attempts. That is a cool, crisp twenty five percent. I think that he can get that up to 30, and I think that he's going to attempt nearly 300 threes this year. And that means that he's going to make 100 three-pointers, if for no other reason than to basically say, come and get me. Come and get me. Because if you can at least create the theoretical fear that he can knock down a three-pointer, an open one, uh, it's impossible to guard him. And I think that his inside moves are going to dramatically improve. This is another reason why I wanted to do the LeBron MVP thing, but (laughs) it's so hard to pick against Giannis. He's so fucking good. Uh, I I just think that he knows that this is the one deficiency in his offensive game. I don't think it's going to be spectacular, but uh, I don't think he's ever going to be a really good three-point shooter. But I think that he can knock down a third of his goddamn shots from beyond the arc. And I think that the way that the game is played, he's going to have to take more and more by the year uh, than the 203 had last year. 100 made three-pointers for Giannis. It might be tough. We might be going right down to the wire, but I, I, think, that, uh, I think that it's in the cards. Yeah, if Giannis makes 100 threes this year, he's definitely winning MVP. Yes. Like, yes. <laughs> no, like that's, that's you, you can't like, stop him if he does that. You want to talk about another, you know, sort of double-double. Uh, why not Giannis winning MVP and Defensive Player of the Year? Yeah, totally possible, I think. Um, he got a lot of votes last year. He's plus 375 uh, right now per yeah, I would imagine that. Yeah, I'd imagine that like him, Giannis, and Embiid are like the three favorites probably, right? Yeah, him, Giannis, yeah. and Embiid. Who else? I mean, Paul George is up there. Uh, it's Gobert, Giannis, Paul George, Anthony Davis, Embiid uh, as the, the top five. And then there's a, a massive drop to uh, Kawhi Leonard and Draymond. It, AD is a reasonable one, too. I mean, honestly, like, yeah. if the Warriors sniff a league average <laughs> defense... Draymond is... You'll know. Draymond give, will let everyone know that that's him. Give Draymond the damn award. I don't think they're going to, though, unfortunately. Um, no, I, I don't either, and I'm supposed to be the Warriors optimist here. Yeah, I think that Giannis has a real chance to double 
Like, would not be out of the question for him. I'm to not going to put that in the uh, the shitty calculator that you've already told me is incorrect. I'm not going to do that. Because <laughs> okay. he's the favorite. He's the favorite to win MVP. I mean, I've been sprinkling in some little small hot takes. So like, Harden averages 40. Like, I, I think that that's happening. Uh, but uh, I don't think it will, just because I think that Russ is going to take some of that usage away. But yeah. But Giannis making 103 pointers. Uh, if someone could make me a book on that, I would sure very much like to put some money down. Because if nothing else, uh, it's a really it's a really nice, easy round number, and it will be very fun and exciting to uh, sort of see it go bit by bit uh, as the season progresses. Uh, I, I like cumulative stats; they're they're a lot more fun than percentages. Here's a uh, an extra hot take from me: Ben Simmons makes over 33s. <laughs> That, well, that was what I wanted. The, the original one that I wanted to do, the thing that popped into my head was, uh, <laughs> will Ben Simmons make more three-pointers than Giannis? No, and it was just a re- No, 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 not even remotely yeah. close. And then I'm like looking it up, and I'm like, God, Giannis made 52 last year. Like, you could have you fooled me. Because, again, he's shot, let's just, in his full seasons, okay? Uh, and he's been in the league a lot longer than we give him credit for, uh, even though he's only 24. Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, this is his seventh year, I believe. Yeah, he's gone 34 percent on 118 uh, in 77 games. So 15 percent, seven for 44 his sophomore year, 25 percent, 27 percent on 180 shots, 30 percent on 140. And then last year, 25 percent on 203. Like the jump has to happen. Like he was a 34 percent shooter when he came in and he's only getting worse as he attempts more shots. So I I just can't imagine this guy doesn't have anything else going on. He's not doing a shit ton of ads. He doesn't have, you know, 42 different businesses. He is, it, everyone wants to be more than an athlete. Giannis is pretty cool with just being an athlete. And I know uh, that the ones, I mean, listen, I'm not saying that he isn't he got, pushing. He got a lot of stuff this summer, I would say. He got the MVP, like he launched a shoe line. Like he got a lot yeah. of stuff this summer. It doesn't matter. He's still working his ass off in the gym. Like that. a guy right. like that in terms of work ethic doesn't, doesn't quit in the gym. But that's my my yeah. my point is that you can trust this guy implicitly to have his number one priority be basketball. I think that we've learned that about him so far and that there's not going to be a lot else in the way. And that the one thing that he really needed to there's two things that I would argue Giannis needed to work on th- this past off season. Uh, number one is the three point shot. And that goes without saying. And I think that he knows it. And he's playing for a coach who certainly knows about it like that. That that has to be the priority. And then two, and this is a little bit different, is you know the entire Eastern Conference Finals shifted when Kawhi Leonard got put on him. And basically yep. Giannis couldn't score at the basket. Uh, if you get the outside shot, that's going to help with defense close to the basket, as counterintuitive as, that's, as that seems. like That's just going to help. It's going to pull defenders out. It's going to give you less traffic at the hoop. But I think if he can get a little baby hook or something like that, and those are things that are kind of easily added to the repertoire. It's totally game over at the hoop. And I've heard that he's got them, that they're coming, and that he's going to be just completely unstoppable at the basket. And so the next step is shooting, being confident, shooting and knocking down three-pointers. And I think that where the Bucks are at, looking at the rest of the Eastern Conference, where I think there's only one true competitor um, for kind of top spot in, in the 76ers, that – that it just bodes really well for him to just take more. And I think make more because he, he worked on it all off season. Uh, is there anything this guy 
could do that would shock you. I mean, that's that's no, that's maybe no. what it is. So if he wants to go, if he goes out and just knocks down somehow thirty six percent three pointers this year on three hundred attempts, like would we be absolutely batshit insane stunned? Like it would. No, I don't think so, and that would make him an absolutely unstoppable offensive player. So, I'm uh, I'm betting on Giannis to do it, and, and whatever comes with that uh, comes with that. But it's probably a lot of awards and uh, yeah, a lot of accolades. Number five, the Atlanta Hawks are closer to the bottom of the Eastern Conference than the playoffs, and I think that why this mm. one is a bit hot is because I think the Cavs and the Hornets and the Wizards are really bad. They're got like, they are the three worst teams in the league for me, like bar none. Um, having said that, I think Atlanta is going to have a bottom five defense this year. Uh, they're just going to be awful, and the only reason I think that they're not going to have like a bottom three defense is that you know we just talked about the Warriors who have real questions on that end. I still think they're going to be better than Atlanta. Um, the Cavs literally had the worst defense in the NBA last year and pro or like in the last 20 years of the NBA last year. And I think they got worse defensively this summer. Um, there are just some other teams that have a chance to be really bad on defense. Uh, I think Sacramento has a chance, even though they got Dwayne Dedman and, you know, bring in some new guys that could be really good. Uh, the Timberwolves have a chance to be bad on defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, depending on how much Robert Covington can really uh, shore up what's happening. Although they did, they bring in Vanterpool though. So they probably won't be that bad on defense. Um, Cause I, I'm a big believer in him coming over from Portland. Like th- there are just like Phoenix is probably going to be really bad on defense. Um, yeah. The Knicks are going to be a disaster on defense. Like there are a lot of teams that have a real chance to be a disaster. Atlanta is absolutely in the mix with them they lose Dwayne Dedman who was kind of the quarterback of their defense last year um they are going to be starting Alex Len who not exactly a high level (laughs) defender they do lose Torian Prince Torian Prince like just did not I think that this like kind of went underrated like Torian just did not care about defense um no but you're starting but he got that money you're starting Trey Young John Collins um Mm-hmm. Len, DeAndre Alex Len, Kevin Herter, and probably Hunter. I think Hunter is a rookie, but I think he'll be good defensively. Maybe not great, it might, but good. It might be. Um, it could be Hunter. Or it could be Crab. Yeah, like Alan Crab, like Evan Turner. These guys aren't good defenders. Jesus. So no, it, it gets real iffy in a hurry for them on defense. Like I actually well, think Lloyd fun, Pierce is a really good defensive coach too. On the they oh, like there have been multiple preseason games where they've started Jabari. Like yeah. this could get really bad defensively. And I think that their offense is probably a year away from That's being fair. like a true top 10 offense or like top 12 yeah. offense or whatever you, they you need to be the, to you account see the for the offensive it. numbers around the league. And you think to yourself like, Oh man, it, it, like it, the, you're telling me the Hawks could be like a one Oh, I don't know. What would be a, what would be a top 10 defensive rating last year? I probably should have this stat up, but you're telling me like the Hawks would be like a one ten offensive team. And you're like, Holy shit. But that's just not that good anymore. Like that's kind of middle of the pack. Offensive ratings are just kind of roof. 
And I, I agree with you. I think that they're a year off. Uh, and with that being the case there, their defense is just completely unplayable. Yeah. So last year, um, a 14th, the 14th ranked defense was the Sixers and they had a 110 defensive rating. Yeah. And like offensive rating. Sorry, this is preseason. Jesus Christ, curtain back. Uh, yeah, it's like 110.9 was the 15th best offensive rating last that's year. That's what I'm saying. So, where it's like 110, like three years ago, was batshit insane. I mean, there are b- 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 15 teams. Half of the NBA had a better offensive rating than, than 110. And yeah, like Atlanta could make a three-point-per-possession jump on offense, even, which I think would be... still be bottom third. Given given the no, progression of the league, no, it would be they'd be like fourteenth basically. Um, like if they if get they, to one ten, do you think one ten will be fourteenth? What they, it'd be one eleven. Um, they were at one oh eight one last year. So what am I looking if, at? What am I? Looking if you're at one oh eight, I'm looking at one. I'm looking to, at one oh seven. Are you looking at basketball references? I'm looking at NBA. I'm looking at basketball reference, but like yeah, I so, got I got one oh seven five baby from the from the league. Yeah, the association. So, but a three-point jump is going to get you what, like maybe ten spots or so in the rankings. <laughs> Again, you just I can't even, be. I don't even think so. I really don't. I mean, like, I, I think that middle ground this year will be a one one twelve. I think there will be fifteen teams above that's twelve. A, that's a crazy. That that might be the craziest hot take you've had yet. That is that is a lot <laughs> of one twelves. <laughs> Fine. Put it on the list. This is now on the list. 112 last 11, year. There were, maybe 11.5. Maybe 11.5. There, 11, there were 10 last year that had 112. So maybe you're not that crazy. Maybe it is Maybe it is like plausible that offense jumps that There's much. like five good defensive teams. <laughs> like no one's good at defense anymore. Everyone has just decided to punt defense. It's like the NFL. They're just like, fuck it. We'll just outscore them. And you're losing a... Uh, you're, you're losing, let's just go off the top here. I mean, the Jazz are going to be really high on the list. The Pacers are going to be high on the list. Um, Philly will be really good. Um, Philly will be really good, but Philly was, you know, 14th last year in defensive rating per NBA at 109. Like, yeah, they'll be really good. But, like, the Lakers, like, I'm looking here, like, Miami Memphis, will be really Memphis good. Memphis was at a 108 last year. Memphis was the ninth best defensive team. That's not going to happen. Orlando no. Orlando actually has a chance to be a halfway decent, pretty good defense. Miami's going to be up there, as you said. I think they were seventh last year. You could have fooled me. Uh, Boston at Well, they were really bad on offense last year. Like I said, their, their problems were more shooting and offense. For sure. For sure. Uh, Boston without Al Horford, like, they'll be good, but I don't know if they're going to be sixth in the NBA good. Toronto without Kawhi, like, they're not going to be one of, they're not going to be fifth and best in the NBA. Uh, Billy Donovan might have a team that he feels like could really do it, but they're not going to be the fourth best defensive team in the NBA, not with that much youth. I mean, maybe, maybe they have an outside shot at it, but like, I'm looking, I'm looking for defensive, I'm looking for defensive stalwarts here. I'm looking for them. I'm not finding them. Like, the Clippers are going to move up, but they were a 110 team last year. Clippers like, will be a lot better on defense. Philly will be a lot better no on defense. Boston's been incredible on defense in the preseason. Um, yeah, preseason, though, and they throw out a lot of stuff in the preseason. I mean, they do. That's uh, how just Boston works. They don't, they don't hold shit back like a lot of other teams. So The Bucks will be good I, I, on defense again. Um, yeah, they were, and they were the best in the NBA last year. Right. Um, Utah will be really rating. good. 
Yeah. San, I think San Antonio is going to make a big leap. They get Dejounte Murray back. It better be I think a big that, leap. Like they a were second fucking year, twentieth in the NBA last year. Yeah, but Greg Popovich, over the course of his career, I think it's like 19 of the 21 seasons, he's been a top 10 defense yeah. or a top like seven defense or something. So, yeah, I, th- I assume that they're going to be a lot better on defense. Yeah, this is. I agree. I, I think that there are more good defensive teams than what people give credit to, but I also think that there are just some disaster like defensive. That's what I'm saying. Like, it feels like it feels like the disaster pants possibilities are, are way higher for a lot of teams. Where it's I right. could, I, I'm not seeing a, a meaty middle like, of teams that are like, they're okay on defense. Yeah, like Washington like has potential like, to be a God. disaster. Um, yeah. Charlotte is an Rockets example of a team that will probably be in the middle. Yeah, because they're decent. They're coached well. Enough. Like, right. The Houston Rockets were a 110 team last year, and maybe some of that is pace influenced and all that. But, like, if the Rockets are the middle ground – I mean, how many teams are going to be in the Rockets' territory this year? I just, I just don't see. I, I see a very, very one percent situation with good defensive teams, and then just like Here, I'll, I don't know, I'll give you seven through thirty, just as total dog shit. I'll give you one. Uh, I'll give you one hot take. I think Minnesota becomes Ooh. Ooh. like a. I know that I kind of brought them up earlier as a team that like has potential to be a problem. I actually don't think that that's true. Uh, I think that they're going to be like in, they're going to be like a middle of the pack defense. I think this year. Okay, I mean they were twenty fourth last year at one twelve. Uh, two point improvement puts them right in the middle of the pack. And frankly, I think the middle of the pack, you know, the median is going to go up a little bit. So yeah, that's not ridiculous. A point, a point and a half difference. Um, if nothing else, they're going to be playing at I think a faster pace this year. Uh, I think they'll get up to the one hundred two, one hundred three mark. Everyone and, says uh, that, that, but that I think help. that. I think that what they're going to do is they're going to play more drop coverage with Carl Towns, uh, keep him mm. attached to the paint, which is uh, it, it, it's just an easier scheme. These guys right. that kind of struggle rotationally to play, like you really simplify things for centers like that. Um, like Yusuf Nurkic has been a really good rim protector in these in uh, this type of defensive scheme. Brooke Lopez was really good last year for Milwaukee. They run like a similar structure. Uh, David Vanterpool's bringing that over from Portland uh, as yep. their uh, lead assistant under Ryan Saunders. So uh, you bring in Robert Covington. Jarrett Culver was a pretty good defender in college. Uh, some athletes yeah. like now, Jordan now, Bell is on that this. roster. Like they, they have some guys. Have, how does this work when D'Angelo Russell is their point guard? what you think that Dre is going to force them to trade Russell for like Covington and something else Covington Teague and picks I don't think that's enough for D'Angelo but uh, Covington Teague and picks maybe it it might become January that's actually not a terrible offer Minnesota fans would melt down about that like they would be so miserable why? All Minnesota wanted to do this offseason was get D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, but you don't want to have to trade Covington to do it. Well, that's the only way that it's going to work for the Warriors. Yeah, it's not going to go well. <laughs> no, I, I can just no. tell you, like, that's going to be a meltdown scenario ridiculous. for the fan base if that happens. Um, yeah. But yeah, Atlanta. Maybe they, maybe they should show up more. Atlanta. Uh, Minnesota's fan base is strong. I'll give Minnesota. Oh, they're, they're, they're strong online. Yeah. Um,. Atlanta, I will say, <laughs> Atlanta, um, 
I will say that I think that the defense is just going to be a significant hindrance to them. Even if Trey Young takes a step forward, Kevin Herter takes a step forward. I think it's going to be tough for John Collins to take another leap just because Collins is already like one of the most underappreciated players offensively in the league. But yeah, I just, it's going to be hard for them to overcome the defensive issues. I think. I I mean, can you honestly see them being above 500? I I can't personally, but yeah. I think a lot of people have talked themselves into it just because of this notion of progression. And I think that that's uh, how many times we've been burned by that in the history of basketball. Yeah. Um, All right. Give me your last one. Give me rain fire upon us. You're done. You're done. I'm done. I'm out. Okay. We're going out with a bang here, Dieter. I want you to prepare yourself. I want you to prepare yourself for a liquid hot magma take. We were talking about this before we came on, and I'm pretty sure the connection immediately dropped. Do we even want to, like, give an explanation on this, or do we just want to let it hang out there? <laughs> okay. It is, a, it is a double whammy, just flamethrower of a take. Just, just get, your, get your bodies ready. Get your minds ready for the explosion. There are only going to be two coaches fired in the NBA this season. And both of those coaches or the teams that uh, fire both of those coaches will play for the NBA championship. So two coaches fired, those teams will play for the championship. The coaches that will be fired are Mike D'Antoni and Brett Brown. I have a Sixers Rockets NBA finals as the only coaches that are fired. That is, that is my galaxy brain take. Um, One, you look at what's going on in Houston. Let me say this about the Rockets. I have shit on the Rockets incessantly for years. I do not think that very much is going to change at all with Russell Westbrook replacing Chris Paul. In fact, I have more concerns about this team than I had against uh, about last year's team. But James Harden is unreal at what it is James Harden does. Like it or not, and I'm personally not a fan, you cannot doubt the man's genius in scoring the basketball. Russell Westbrook is something, and you know what? He said he's going to work on his three-point shot all offseason. I believe him. I believe that he's going to be a halfway decent player. He is not the A number one alpha dude. I think he has been humbled by Damian Lillard, essentially, and uh, that he is going to come in and and really be a a, a rock-solid role player off of Harden, and then also just, you know, Russell Westbrook when when he's running the show individually. I think that the Rockets are in a really good position to not just it, it, the thing about them is they could be the number one seed in the Western conference, but they could also blow up catastrophically. And I think as, as much as I've been working with those two things in my mind, this entire preseason, this entire off season, really uh, the answer is always somewhere in the middle, right? Everything is always a bit more gray. You look at what Mike D'Antoni has going on. He asked for a contract extension. Tillman Fertitta, oh, that guy, uh, we, got, we got hours of material there, uh, basically told them to fuck off. Daryl Morey is not likely long for his job. We'll see how long it takes for stuff to blow over so that Tillman can fucking fire him for losing him money. Um, but there is chaos and dissension and, and ridiculousness all around that Rockets uh dictatorship that is run by Tillman Fertitta. If the Rockets do not come out and look good the same way that they did not look good last year, if the similar sort of issues are bubbling up, um, 
and, and defensively, there could be very serious issues for this team at the beginning of the season. I can very much see D'Antoni, who is in the final year of his contract, getting shit canned and then bringing in somebody. I don't know who, but they bring in somebody. And that sort of, if, if not even coaching, just the notion of D'Antoni's gone, we need to take our game to another level, gets the Rockets into the tournament, where we should remember that Houston has been in a position to knock out the Western Conference champion Warriors the last two years. As much as we might say that shooting and perimeter defense are the A number one things that you need to do, James Harden and at the time Chris Paul have done exceptional jobs in knocking out the class of the Western, or nearly knocking out the class of the Western Conference the last two years. I think this is the year they get over the hump. I think that the Lakers are not going to have enough in the Western Conference. I think that the Clippers um, are going to have more cohesion issues. Even though I, 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 I've done a 180 on Doc, but I, I think that they're going to need another year here to make everything click, and I'm not sure if this Paul George thing is going to go away, this injury is going to go away the way that the Clippers seem to make it want to go away. Um, I look at Golden State. I, I I think that they beat the Lakers in the first round if I were to do my bracket now in the 1-8 in just a series that would be awesome. And I think they get absolutely smacked down by the Rockets in, in the second round of the NBA playoffs. I'm just saying that we shouldn't underestimate the Rockets' ability to go to the NBA Finals because they've choked the last two postseasons. They've choked against really good team, a really good team the last I don't even think seasons. they choked, to be honest. Ugh, they choked. Um, we can get into that argument later, but they, they, had, they had the series in hand, and they fucked it up twice. I think we can agree on that sentiment. Um, I'm just giving you the floor for this one. I, I'm genuinely I not going to say anything after this one <laughs> about this take. I am just letting you go. This is this is okay. a five-minute rant that is yeah. exceptional right now. Okay. My point is that the Rockets are – people want to write off the Rockets because they did not get the job done the last two years, and that was their theoretical window. I think that the window remains open because I don't see a hyper – I see a lot of really good teams in the Western Conference, but I'm not sure there's one clear-cut super favorite. And if it would be any one team, it'd be the Clippers. But I just don't, I just, I'm not buying all the way in on it right now. And Harden and Westbrook's ability to completely control a game offensively. And I think that whichever new staff comes in's ability to, you know, take that defense to whatever, you know, adequate level it can get to, I think that the Rockets can sort of sneak through the cracks in the Western Conference, even after. Tillman and, and all the craziness comes to pass and they fire D'Antoni, who again does not have a contract for next year. And he'd be the only coach fired in the Western Conference this year because you look around and you're like, uh, who else is getting shit canned? I mean, honestly, Steve Kerr might be the second best option. Uh, th- on the Eastern Conference side, we, we've talked about the Sixers before. The offensive questions for this team are such to where Brett Brown, who, let's not forget, was on a bit of a hot seat last year, uh, is going to end up back on it. I think that the Sixers will underperform out of the gate uh, because defense usually takes a while to click in, right? Uh, That's a cohesive thing. They have a lot of new parts. Uh, They did a good job with dealing with new parts last year, but this year, you know, I'm just not sure outside of the two main guys who's going to get buckets. And I'm not sure those two guys 
will be ramped up to their optimal levels at the beginning of the year. And I just think that everyone's now, the expectations, everything is expectations versus reality. The expectations on the Sixers are finals or bust. It's not Eastern Conference finals or bust. It's NBA finals or bust because um, as, as much as we look at the Bucks and we say, God damn, they're really good. They got worse <laughs> this past season. Now we'll see how much Giannis can make up for that by him getting better. And I'm already on the record saying he's going to get way better. But um, without Brogdon around, I, I think that there is a bit of a drop off for the, the Milwaukee Bucks. So the, the Sixers have to be looking at it and saying, we are ascending. We are a team that our two best players are still yet to reach their apex. We went out and, uh, okay, Jimmy Butler didn't want to be here. Maybe that's an addition by subtraction thing, if nothing else, in the locker room. Um, but they really lo- relied on Jimmy Butler a lot last year. The defense for this team is going to be absolutely fire come the end of the season, come the postseason. And that is something that the, the Sixers can hang their hat on. But offensively, I think that they're going to need to get in a guru of sorts. And Brett, it, it, I like Brett. I think he's a really good coach. He might have been the coach to get this team through the process. We're no longer in the process. They have a new GM in Elton Brand, uh, and he Brett's not his guy. Now, I'm not saying that he doesn't like Brett. I'm not saying that he wouldn't be happy if Brett you know, was thriving. I don't think there's animosity there. But if things start to go wrong, I would not be shocked if Elton Brand, who, who's already sort of seen a couple of cycles go, and it sounded like the Sixers might even be interested in some of these coaches that were available, if he doesn't pull the trigger midseason, if the offense doesn't come around like I think it will not. And then a new coach comes in, and the pieces are already in place for them to get really, really good, to be a juggernaut team in the Eastern Conference. And I think that that defensive core will be enough to overcome the Bucks and any other team in the East. And I think that uh, uh, offensively they'll be able to kick it together and maybe the, the double Joel Embiid play comes into play. I think Ben Simmons is going to take a leap forward, but I, I think that Brent Brown is going to have to be almost a sacrifice to get the Sixers to where they will ultimately be this year. Rocket Sixers NBA championship, and I'll take the Philadelphia 76ers to win it. I'm just letting that hang out there. That was that was a legendary, I think it was like a nine-minute rant on your yeah. end. And that's what I needed. Yeah. That that radio uh, stuff up in the Bay is really, really getting you going. I love it. I suppose so. I mean, we'll see if, it, we'll see if it's effective or not. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, do you have any thoughts, Sam? I... I just want to. Take, I seriously just want to. I want to bask in the glory of what just happened right now. That was. Uh, I mean, look, I have the 76ers in the finals. I'm right there with you. I, yeah. I think Houston's like a reasonable pick to win the um, Western Conference. The West is wide open, like you said. There are probably four wins. I think maybe between like one and six in the West, but like mm-hmm. they're certainly one of those six teams. Like it's totally reasonable to have those two in the finals. Now, I'm not going to get into, like, the fired coaches stuff just because, like, I think there's just, like, so much shit that goes on behind the scenes. The The Houston thing makes total sense just because that whole deal seems like a disaster. But, like, I, I'm, just, I'm just here for the glory of what just happened on this podcast. Well, I, I, I appreciate it. I'm glad that I can provide at least a moment of, uh, of entertainment. Have you uh, have you watched any movies the last uh, dude? Last few okay. Days? Uh, yes, I have. I've watched a ton of movies the last. I watched Face days. Off last night, so that was good. I saw your tweets. Um, you are a thousand percent correct, and Face Off will be something that I will um, put in the DVD player. This is this is this is the thing. So I live in a uh, 
a suburb of, uh, I guess, Oakland. I don't know. Bay Area suburb, uh, Alameda. It's a little island just south of Oakland. And they have a literal video store, like a rent a video place. That's amazing. And it's, right, it's, right on, it's right on the main strip, which I live right off of. Um, and it's fantastic. It's like this little Asian lady who runs it. I have no idea how it's financially viable because she keeps refunding my late fees. Um, it is, it's fan, it's fucking fantastic. And so I have a PlayStation four, which means that I have a Blu-ray player. Cause I would never have purchased a Blu-ray player just on my own. And, uh, Heather and I've just been knocking out Blu-rays on the new releases. So, uh, and, and the best part of that is, we, you know, it's great. We have a movie theater right by us uh, a couple blocks away. That's fantastic. But nothing has really piqued our interest all that much in that regard. And I really like, you know, like A24 artsy-fartsy films. But I don't know if I want to commit like 12 bucks every time I want to go see one or even like the 7 bucks for a matinee. And so, like, there have been a bunch of movies where like 45 minutes in, I'm like, nah, I'm out. And it, it's totally cool. Like, it's a much better way of, of viewing it. So, like... I tried to watch High Life, the Robert Pattinson uh, yeah, film. Yeah, yeah, about, yeah. It was bad. It was a bad movie, in my opinion. And so, like, 45 minutes in, after it started getting, like, weird and bad, which I'm usually down with, we're just like, I'm out. Um, tried to watch, like, Under the Silver Lake. Uh, it was not progressing. And so about 45 minutes in, we're like, we're out. Like, we'll put on something else. Watched Midsummer, which I've been kind of gearing up to watch for months very into midsummer good movie liked that movie uh, i'm trying to think I, what else uh so I, yesterday yesterday was the fine. last two that you talked about there i've seen under the silver lake i did not really like under the silver lake yeah um, like, did it did it get better no it didn't it got weirder yeah actually um cool i was i'm fine with weird i'm into weird i just you have to be weird and like have some energy to it like and you know the beefcake doesn't work with me uh, and then I, I think Midsummer is the movie I've thought about most this year. I don't yeah. think it's the best movie I've seen this year, but like, no, it's the one that like I keep returning to when I think of like interesting movies that I've seen this year. So um, I loved, I loved Hereditary, like could not have yeah. liked Hereditary more. And so like Ari Asner is just the fucking dude. And you can tell that I really like a movie because I'll um, just constantly throughout it, just being like, Oh, this is so fucking twisted. Just like, I'll just stay that nonstop. And I just, I was saying it every 15 fucking minutes in, in midsummer. I was, I was super into it. And that's a long movie too, but I, I was engrossed yeah, a, for the entire two something hours. It's probably 25 minutes too long. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's a little bit too long. But the early, it does the like the early setup was too long, but it, you kind of have to have that in order for it to. Linger yeah, I, I think it's more the middle that you can cut some stuff out of, to be honest. Oh, okay. um, I think it drags through the middle a good amount. But uh, again, like in terms of imagery, in terms of story. Um, yeah, that's the movie I've thought about, I think, most this year. Not the best movie I've seen this year. Like, I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is better. I thought yeah, that I, I thought John Wick three was like better. But, I have John Wick 3 on. I have a Blu-ray of John Wick 3 I'm watching tonight. Yeah, you should watch John Wick 3. Um, let me see here. I, I watched the... Sorry, for bo- sorry to bother you. Uh, I saw that. Yeah, that's a last year movie. That was really good. Um, yeah. Uh, we watched The Laundromat. Oh, I haven't uh, watched it yet. Is it good? So, it's messy. Okay, that is not a, that is not a redeeming. That was no, 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 no. I didn't, I it's didn't messy, feel it. but it's... 
like Steven Soderbergh. So like even messy Soderbergh is still mm. interesting. Fair. Um, Fair. Yeah. I'm looking for, I'm looking forward to that one. Dead don't die. I don't think I've talked about that on the podcast. That was what the fuck is so, dead don't die. I've never so heard it's of that. Jim Jarmusch's movie with Bill, uh, Bill Murray, um, Bill Simmons, <laughs> Bill Simmons and, uh, Jim Jarmusch. Movie. <laughs> Bill like Murray is really having a moment right now. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Adam Driver's in it, Chloe Sevigny, Tilda Swinton. Oh, okay. um, it's this movie where uh, it's like a zombie movie, basically. Okay. Uh, it's it's pretty funny. It's okay. not it, but it it was very messy again. I, I okay. am someone that loves Jim Jarmusch. Like Only Lovers Left Alive is probably in my top ten movies of the last like decade ish. Uh, oh, wow. I think it okay. came out in like I can't remember if it's I'll like. Watch it. Sometime between 2009 and 2012. And it's unbelievable, but this one was messier and kind of a, kind of didn't totally work. Um, trying to think if there's anything else good that I've seen. Oh, the Between Two Ferns movie is actually good. Oh, wow. That, that's, a, that's a statement. Okay. It's I will actually uh, for sure funny. give that a shot. Yeah. Like, laughed out loud a lot at it. That's good. That's um, good. Stupid? I mean, I, intrinsically stupid, right? For sure. And El Camino, did you uh, watch the Breaking Bad? No, movie? no. I, I uh, the, the the tweets were were negative, and I just figured that's something that I'll just download and watch on a plane at some point. Yeah, it's it's worth watching. It's okay. Yeah, it, it's essentially like a two hour episode of Breaking Bad. Like okay. it just picks up right at the end, and it Jesse Pinkman's sad. Yeah, it isn't anything more than that, but like Breaking Bad was really good and it's yes. worthwhile, you know? Yes, that's the hottest take of, of all of them today. Breaking Bad, good. Right. Uh, <laughs> I think that's all I got here. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Crawl. I watched Crawl as well. The Crawl? So it's uh, Alligator movie. So there's. I'm it's, sorry, it's, um, just, it's just a movie about alligators or is so that like a. Kaya Scodelario has to go save her dad. Uh, in the middle of a hurricane and okay. within the hurricane There's alligators have alligators plural have Ooh. like taken over the basement of his house and she has to find a way to like save him basically always down with a good gator movie it was it was the most florida man movie of 2019 mm-hmm. and as a former florida man i i i feel like that's a it's a duty uh Theater, tell Fleabag. the people. Oh, no, yeah, we did too. I, mean, I, I just got around to it. Just saying. We're Sorry. in the middle of it as well. We've seen the first four episodes. It's it's oh, really one interesting. Season, two. season one. Oh baby, just just you wait. It like it gets progressively better, and it starts good. It gets progressively better every single episode, season yeah. one to season two. Um, I mean, we're like three episodes, four episodes into season two, so we're almost done. But. uh it like also gets like deeply profound. It's really smart. Like it, 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 it's, it's a lot smart. of the, the a lot of the baseline stuff is stupid, but um, it's very smart. And and a lot of the Englishisms are just like fucking perfect. So yeah, big fan. Watch Fleabag. I, I talked about Joker on the last podcast, so I don't really want to get into Joker again. I haven't I haven't seen it. It's uh yeah. I, I would yeah. I, I don't want the I I avoided the internet coming down on me for talking about Joker last time. I want to avoid that this time as well. So uh, stick with these hot takes. Dieter, tell the people where they can find your work right now. Uh, Twitter at Dieter 
and uh, there will be stuff that I tweet out from my various employers. So good times. And you're doing some radio up in the Bay as well now. So in theory, go, in theory. yeah, go we'll follow Dieter on Twitter and he'll let you know when he's going to be on the radio over uh, in the Bay. Uh, for yeah. now, I'm going to be working on some uh, prospect stuff still just working through that project. And I think that's about all I got for you guys. So until next time, we'll talk soon. Bye.